we sit part we start putting on this bravado like we have it all figured out we have this clean suit of armor but here's the problem about a clean suit of armor it never went to battle a clean suit of armor has never gone to battle so when i'm out here in life and i'm looking at these other guys i see the clean suits of armor and that doesn't impress me what impresses me is the guy who's walking around with this suit of armor full of vulnerability scuffs <laughs> and, and everything and he's still standing that's who i'm going to go to right and say bro how'd you do it Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, podcasters, if you're like me, you love hosting your show, but get discouraged by the time it takes to produce and market the final product. Turn to Podcast Media Machine, the number one solution for podcast design, production, content creation, and management. Visit podcastmediamachine.com. That's podcastmediamachine.com. Now back to our show. Ted, what's up, my man? How are you doing? I'm doing good, Scott. Thanks for having me on the show, man. Uh, I, I'm excited to have you on the show. I've listened to some of your podcasts. I've kind of read and seen what you're doing. Um, I believe you have some merch. There's been some cool mm -hmm. things. I've been, I've been, I've been creeping a little bit on you. So, um, <laughs> you know, let's go ahead and start for, for listeners who don't know who Ted Faton is, fill us in because, and that's kind of a big question. We'll kind of, we'll kind of drip it out, but give us a, a short overview if you will. Yeah. So the, the elevator pitch is, uh, Ted Faton, um, a husband, dog, dad, not a, a father yet, but practicing with my pup, Bruno. Um, also a morning meteorologist in Charlotte, North Carolina for the local news station here, Queen City News. Uh, but the passion is, is the modern man. The Modern Man podcast is what I host on a weekly basis. Uh, we have a men's networking and empowerment group where the, the mission is connecting men in pursuit of their potential. And I've been kind of on this mission for the past four or five years. It's been a bug in my ear and in, in the back of my mind well before that. And, um, you know, on the journey through the fruits of all that labor brings us to, you know, where we are now, getting in into the community and, and meeting people like you and other men who are showing up as their best selves every day and continuing to get inspired. So that's kind of my story where I'm at and, and where I hope to go is inspire other men to do the same. Yeah, that's rad, man. And I think there's, you know, this is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast, but it's just for men. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we could clear. And there's women to listen to, but it's like uh, we had an event and there was a guy there that wasn't even a father. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, mm -hmm. it, 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 we're just, I'm it's just notes. I have the plan to, you know, hopefully be a father one day. So for me, I'm uh, th that person without the, the child is probably forward thinking. thinking oh, he was. Like, um, oh, yeah. I'm going to be here one day and I know I might not be in the club yet, but can you guys let me know what to watch out for? Dude, <laughs> for I think it's I brilliant. I think it's brilliant. I mean, he was like, I've never had a kid. And I'm like, soak up every single thing you can, because here I am with a 14 year old and an 18 year old going, wow, I wish I would have had some of these conversations like five, six, seven, eight years ago. Um, you know, I've had mm -hmm. great, I would say we, my wife and I've had great success raising our kids, but you can never know enough and you can never experience enough beforehand. So it's like, immerse yourself. Don't wait till your wife's pregnant. Don't wait yeah. till you're, you got something coming. It's like, do the work now because it is a real life changer. And um, most guys are like, oh, I just need to read a book about, you know, kind of a manual. I'm like, that doesn't exist. 
<laughs> yeah, precious cargo. You don't know what you're going to be in right. for. And literally just this morning, and a lot of what we talk about on our podcast is, and I'm sure you might feel the same in, ter- in terms of, you know, the, the group of men that you have around you and, and some of those that, that pour into you, male mentorship, right? Yeah. And literally just this morning, texting one of my friends, talking about, you know, I'm running business, I'm trying to do this, trying to do that. And, you know, it gets hard sometimes. And he's like, just wait till you have kids. And I'm like, crap, man. That's it, a it horrible statement. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so true. And this is this is like the club, right? There's the club of people that have kids. And we just all looking at everybody that doesn't it's like, yeah, you have no idea. And yeah. it, it's really it's a it's it's not really fair because you, you don't you literally don't have an idea. However, we've all been there. And mm-hmm. it's one of those things like a lot of people say, I'm, re- I'm really busy. And then they bring on something else in their life. And they're like, I'm really busy. And it's just a completely different vision. It's not oh, I was busier then than now. You're just filling thing, your time with different things. And you you, yeah. you automatically disqualify certain things out of your, your list. Like, well, that's going to go. I mean, yeah. and it's not even a thought. It's just kind of all of a sudden that's gone. You're like, huh, I wonder what happened well, to Thursday bowling nights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, whoop, gone. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like it could be similar to how I felt my, my senior year of college, right? I felt like I finally had it dialed in. I was on the club volleyball team. I was, I think I was a treasurer of the club volleyball team. I was the charity chair of my fraternity. I was crushing it in school, nothing below a 3.0. Um, and, and I, I managed magically figured out that my going out schedule Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and Tuesdays, like, how did I do all that? And I felt so busy, but <laughs> now being over a decade removed from college, I was like, man, that kid back then who thought they were so busy, had no idea. And as my friend says, you know, just wait till you have kids. But he also is reassuring. He's like, man, it's going to be tough, but you're going to be okay. Oh, totally. So that's that's yeah. the, the reassuring part. It's like, all right, yeah. you're going to be okay, but you have no idea what you're in for. Totally. And I think that's why so many couples really struggle, really struggle when their kids go away. That empty nest syndrome, because you've, you've done your whole life kind of this on-ramp to being mm-hmm. what really busy is. And then they get to high school or and you're like... Oh my gosh, we got we got to go every. We're traveling all over. We're doing all of these things, and then boom, they're gone. And you're like, yeah, like what? What do we? Who are you? And that's <laughs> one thing that I'm really, really passionate about preventing. And I talk about a lot. I'd be curious. You, you don't have kids, but I'd be curious if you've ever thought about this. For me, I tell men all the time. The number for me, so I'm very, very clear with my audience about this. Number me, one is God for me. So that's the very yeah. first thing I have on my list. But two is my wife. It's not my kids. Number two is my wife yeah. because she came before my kids, man. And they're the, she's the reason I have kids. And how can I absolutely best love my wife, my kids by loving my wife? Yeah. And so um, I feel like that's the that's the ticket to the off the off ramp when when your kids move out is like yeah. if you if you keep that your wife um, front and foremost of your like in your mind your efforts everything it's going to come back around and that's going to be a season of like awesome oh, yes yeah. I would I, I would agree man I, I I think we we have the same list because you know me and my wife it's funny because. Um, when I first was like, you know, our relationship will come first. She was like, oh, no, the kids come first because that's what she was used to. Now I, she's changed her tone to the fact of me and her sitting last time her uh, my in-laws were in town. We were talking and, you know, me and her are now talking to the in-laws like, no, me and her are going to come first before the kids and stuff. And, you know, I've broken it down similarly in terms of if we both put God first in our marriage, it's going to pull us towards each other. And us being pulled towards each other is going to 
build a good example and a good comfortable household for our kids and and that's really what the focus is because to your point my wife we we are together you know and, and god willing um i'm gonna outlive my parents she's gonna outlive her parents our kids are gonna grow up one day build lives of their own and and seek their own relationships and i'm gonna be gray and old with my wife so this is literally the person that i'm probably going to have with me for the rest of my life intention that's my intention right for right. the rest of my life and sure the kids are gonna be great and the product of our union is gonna be great but if our union is not strong the products can falter so we've been so focused on you know having each other's backs um you know pouring into each other when when things are hard in my business and i don't feel like the man that i that i am she's reassuring uh, she's reassuring to me because i've shown examples of that but it's and that kind of gets into the dicey spot that i know a lot of guys talk about it's like you know don't be vulnerable to your wife don't show her you know when you're nervous and things like that like I, I've been able to be an open book. Like my wife has seen me cry. She's she's known when I've doubted myself. She's known when I've had the confidence in myself. She knows my confidence is not arrogance, and she knows that my doubt is not weakness. She's seen all those, all those sides of me and all those colors of me that make me who I am. And I think that's made our love even deeper for the fact that I could truly be myself with my wife, dust myself off when I take some hits, and then get up and then get out there again, dude. Preach it. I mean, that is, we're we are like you are on fire. This is exactly like <laughs> it's so true, right? Like, and so at my event, the the I did the opening talk, and and my three pillars for the event were um, vulnerability, uh, intentionality, and accountability. And when we as men can be vulnerable with other men, like really vulnerable, drop the mm -hmm. social armor, drop every layer of armor we have, we can grow in relationship and realize, hey, we're not doing this thing alone. There's a lot of other guys screwing up just as bad as I have. And we kind of feel like we're alone. But women tend to operate on this this more emotional level. This is a this is a blanket statement, of course, but they tend to operate on a more more emotional level and they need us to be strong. They yeah. need us to be confident. I mean, that is but but you can level up in your in your relationship sexually, emotionally, everything when you are emotionally tied and connected with her and you let her know that real you. But of course again, there's that place where you got to you're leading as well, right? But that doesn't mean hiding. That doesn't mean yeah. lying. And so I love that you brought that up because it's I think that's a really strong key to uh relationship. And yeah. look, yeah, not every guy is going to agree with us that, you know, God is first. But man, you got to have some sort of base. You got to have some sort of foundation, and that's that's ours. Yeah, and, and having that clear priority, having the way you operate, right? Your partner um, is gonna, you know, uh, obviously the partner you pick would probably agree with that, but also the consistency in it, right? And and really the example that you set day in and day out, where you know having the history of showing up. You know, who, who keeps the receipt? Women keep the receipt better than anybody else, man. They're, they're paying attention to everything. So, you know, on a full transparency, on a day, you know, like today or yesterday where I might have some things go wrong in my business or some things that, that cause some headwind and there's some uncertainty, you know, the question of, okay, what are you going to do? The, the habit and really the example I set is no matter how I feel, I do my obligations. No matter how I feel, I do what's on my schedule. I do what I'm supposed to do. You know, I'm not going to call, cancel meetings. I'm not going to, you know, call in sick for work when I have to wake up at 2 a.m. That's not fun. But, you know, no matter how I feel, 
I'm going to like my wife will know, okay, I'm miserable or she'll know that um, I'm having a rough time. But what is what is he doing? He gets up, he goes to work, he still provides, he still he does he does the work that he needs to be that needs to be done. Because I think so many of us and unfortunately, I think it's almost depicted ubiquitously in media these days. They, they depict the men as as absent. Or mm-hmm. they depict the men as running away from challenges or whatnot. And, and, and I'm not a big fan of that depiction because the examples that I've had in life and the examples that I look up to and respect are, you know, the men that show up when it's hard. When I was young, I used to think, oh, man, that dude's driving a nice car. Or he's got a, a beautiful wife or he sleeps with a whole bunch of women. Like those are examples of manhood. Now I look at, at the man who, you know, Scott, like yourself committed relationship raising kids a family i'm like bro now that i'm an adult i know it's hard right yeah (laughs) i know what to respect and look up to so those are some those are the men that i look up to you know men like yourself who are showing up every day even when they don't feel like it doing what they need to do even when they don't feel like it i think we you you know it's easy to talk about things that are on your mind on your mind so that i'm thinking this is on your mind but this morning i woke up i'm in working out and, um, after a workout, I get a message, Hey, one of my clients is quitting. And what, like, mm-hmm. it's like you're, you just, your head wants to explode. You go into this stress loss, like ah, crap, I'm not gonna be able to provide all these things. Right. Yeah. And, um, I there this morning, I'm like, do I talk to my wife about this? This is really affecting me emotionally. She's going to see it. She's going to see that I have some, something is going on. And so I really contemplated it. I prayed about it. I'm like, what, you know, what should I do? And I said, Hey babe, I'm, I'm a little stressed. I got, uh, I lost a, another client today. And she said, and she asked me a few questions. She goes, so you lost the right person. And I'm like, hmm. yeah. She's like, you didn't want him anyway. I'm like, well, I mean, I, I guess, I guess it was kind of like, you know, here nor there. She goes, you're going to be fine. This is just a stage. So the reason she was able to respond like that is because we do talk and because I do show up. She knows I'm going to show up. She knows that this is a very short blip in the long journey that I'm going to provide. And hey, look, it may not be all like all roses and dandelions, but there's a history. So putting in the work like you, like being emotionally available to your wife, talking and those, but also being strong, being, being a leader, being resolute, being stoic when you need to be stoic, mm-hmm. being emotionally connected when you need to be emotionally connected is all things you're putting in your, you're depositing, right? You're depositing yeah. those in your relationship so that when I have moments like I had this morning, she's right there. Boom. Mm-hmm. It doesn't phase her because she knows this is, this is just a thing. It's no big deal. It has nothing to do with our marriage, has nothing to do with our kids, has nothing to do with our livelihood. We're going to be fine. Yeah, absolutely. Because I used to be on the opposite. I was very stoic. Nothing got to me. And, you know, my wife knows me as logical Ted. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I met <laughs> the quote I used to, <laughs> I'm going to sound like a terrible boyfriend at the time, but the quote I used to always say is like, because she's like, you, just, you don't have any emotion. You don't have any emotion. And I used to be like, I feel the emotion. I just don't act on it. Mm. Now, I've grown. I still feel the emotion. I don't act on it, but I've grown to learn how to show empathy to emotion. I've learned how to express more emotion. That's something I've worked on. But the, the reality is, even in you know moments of uncertainty, like men or even like what women would want to do is try to help you fix it, right? Oh, what if you did this? What if you did that? This did the other thing. And here's the thing is, I have a strategy. I have a plan that was laid out under a sound mind, under a sound mind. 
don't let my emotions now change those strategies, right? Don't let my emotions and how I feel in the moment say, well, maybe I need to change something. Because a lot of people are going to be like, oh, maybe you do this, maybe you do that, maybe you do this. Fine. But at the end of the day, what I laid out in front of me, the process in which I'm doing was, wasn't just thrown against the wall. I did research. I did my due diligence. I built out a strategy. I built out a process. And it's something that's not going to bear fruits right away. It's going to take time. And you got to stay the course. So sometimes when, if my wife's like, oh, you seem a little stressed, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to stay the course. Like being stressed doesn't change the plan. You know, taking a punch in the face doesn't change the plan. Uh, I think, what is it? Mike Tyson says, you know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Well, you're in the ring now. You're still, you still got to fight. And, 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 you know, that's the reality where a lot of us find ourselves in. And I think the mistake we make is when that fight or flight comes into play or, or when, when things get tough or when things get tough, difficult, you know, I tend to, I tend to get quiet. I tend to get stoic, very serious. So my wife can tell when things mm-hmm. are on my mind or when something's up. I get quiet. Um, I get very, uh, I become a recluse a bit. I get reflective. Uh, I pray, um, meditate. And then I, I kind of follow the playbook a little bit, but I start. What I've been saying is, is like I start trying to trying to find my wins, you know, because it's like okay, I took an L, or maybe I took a couple L's, or this, that, the other thing. It's like okay, let me start stacking these wins because that's gonna have to change the momentum around. Kind of like a like a game going into halftime. You start the second half, you're losing. Uh, let's let's get some points on the board, and then yeah. maybe by the fourth quarter, we're we're back in this thing and winning the game. That's such a good point. And, um, if you haven't read The Gap in the Gain, it's a really great like mm-hmm. long book. It's an incredible book that walks through how you envision something. And it's really like focusing on the gain that you've had rather than the gap that you're experiencing. It also talks about looking at, at your goals as a, like a horizon. You know, you can never reach a horizon. And so <laughs> they always grow. So if you're not paying attention to like, hey, I'm here right now. And these are all the things that have happened to me that have really been phenomenal. These are the moves that I've made that have been helpful. Focusing on those things actually help you move forward. And so it's that you just basically laid out, you're focusing on the gain. And it's so incredibly powerful. After I read that book, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to completely reframe. I also really like how you talk about, you know, you have a, a plan Mm-hmm. And then when you, when you, it, the plan stays the same and that's something I talk about a lot is really be prepared, like think through in your head, how you're going to respond to certain situations with your kids. Mm-hmm. This helps men from being angry and popping off at their kids is like mm-hmm. planning a response, planning how you're going to act, planning, you know, cause so many dads will do something. They feel so guilty and mm-hmm. it's, it's simple. Like, Hey, practice that ahead of time. Don't, <laughs> it, you don't go into a game thinking you're just going to nail it, you know, yeah. for, because you've watched it. I've, I've watched games my whole life. I'm cool. I watched my dad do this. I'm cool. No, but no, no, no. You got to practice. And that mm-hmm. can be done in the mind. So what, what, what amazing, um, amazing points so how long have you been doing this this podcast for so um i've been podcasting for three and a half four years now uh, mm. modern man podcast it, it was i just rebranded to that literally this past june june 2022 um, and that came about from moving to a new city and really honing down and realizing i have a podcast called no rain no rainbows i have the modern man group which all my resources are in a different city how can i still feed this community online with the skills of what i have so I figured, let me put all my resources into one thing. 
this is this is the main thing. If the, if No Rain No Rainbows became wildly successful as a podcast, I was going to take those resources and pour it into Modern Man anyway, right? Because this was the passion. Also, a discussion with my wife who helped me make that decision because she's like, "You have these two things going. What are you going to do if one pops?" And I was like, "Oh, pour it into Modern Man." She's like, "So then, why not just pour the resources in now?" That's the other thing I had to learn was kind of being. Um, humble enough to sometimes listen to the input of those around you and kind of like, okay, let me step back, you know, look at the forest when I'm, instead of being among the trees. And I've been doing the podcast now since, since June, 2022 have been having amazing uh, conversations, but it was all born out of when we first started the group, the YouTube series that we had back in 2019, 2019. um, I think we started in 2018 with the YouTube series that went up to 2020 or we had our live conference. Obviously, January 2020 was our best conference, and then COVID slapped that down. <laughs> uh, we've done a few virtual conferences since, and then now continuing to feed the community with uh, with the podcast until we could get together again and, and really do a, po- uh, a conference right. Yeah. So for you, it's conferences. Uh, for me, it's events. I don't know if there's mm-hmm. a difference. <laughs> but Not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, mine was four, like three and a half, four days. You know, we all stayed on one property. It was, but uh, yeah, so... What have you experienced from from those? Uh, first of all, what an amazing opportunity to listen to your wife and be able to like, oh yeah, it makes sense. Like that, it really does. It makes sense from an outsider's point of view. But sometimes we're so like funnel visioned, like we're just yeah. we're, we're tunnel vision. I said we're, we're we've seen it this way the whole time. It's like oh wait, <laughs> there's another path, and actually that's a little little better. But um, so you had a physical group where you lived before for mm-hmm. men. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We got together and the big eye opener is, is, uh, you know, man, men need this. Like Scott, what you're doing, man need this, you know? And that was the biggest eye opener because when we came in person, literally just put it out there like, Hey, we're going to meet, we're going to talk and like seeing the guys come out, have a couple of drinks. And when your venue is telling you, you have to go, and the men are still standing there talking and you're like, awesome. Hey guys, like we got to get out of here. They're kicking us out. Like, you know, they got value. They didn't want to leave, you know, because a lot of guys are like, you know, Hey, my wife told me to come here. Or, you know, um, my, my wife said I should check this out. Or some of them were friends of mine who were just in the community and, and the buzz right after what I've noticed is after a conference, the online, the online group that we have would blow like, because, Oh yeah, we had that connection. We have that going. Right. And I I will say that's, that's where, you know, I'd apologize to my, to my, uh, to my group and, into the community since because we haven't had that many big conferences since we've done a couple events we've done like we've hosted date nights we've done um uh, a pistol combat training for a small group of people i had a green beret come out and uh for something that would have cost you six seven hundred dollars for an eight hour class i i mean i literally just charged them at cost i was like hey i got this green beret in my network you know the rate in order to have them it's just 125 dollars a person come on out and so you got to pay at cost and you know, get this combat pistol training from a former Green Beret and just had this camaraderie of, you know, we're out there, it's an outdoor range, we're shooting, we're shooting at steel, we're, we're going through the, the dance of death and eating lunch and kind of just, honestly, we're just, we're being men and <laughs> we're just enjoying ourselves. 
people don't understand the power of this. Like our first day event was the same idea. We, we went through, um, handguns, uh, myriad of handguns, training competition. Then we went to uh, a myriad of, uh, rifles. And so we were doing like ARs and 30 thirties. And I mean, it was insane. It was like, and then we had a competition and then we went through a long range, like, you know, high power rifle, 300 yard like thing. And the bonding that happens in those things, guys are like, ah, whatever. it's just, a, you know, whatever. And like, no, 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 you don't understand. Mm-hmm. You don't understand. There's just so much more that happens than just shooting guns. Like, yeah. it, you know, you, when you're vulnerable and people see your performance and, um, and you're rooting each other on instead of like this, you know, hardcore competition, which we still competed, but it was, it was in fun. These, these times when we get together, they're, they're different. And mm-hmm. when they're under uh, a movement, like, you know, what you're doing, there's a different mindset that clicks. And I think these men start to understand that there's a lot of power and connection in that physical togetherness, doing things together. It's just magical, man. I don't even know how to explain it. I think every single guy listening has to mm-hmm. get something on his calendar this year. Like you yeah. just have to yeah. find a group that has a, value system in line with yours and then just go do it get like i don't think one of the guys other than myself because i've met a lot of these guys had knew each other coming in they knew of each other but they didn't know each other and so it's like you know 26 guys staying at the same property doing three days of adventures and and talks and fireside chats that's that's a lot of um you 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 got to really step out that's a scary thing mm-hmm. to do but it's yeah. powerful and some of the challenges, I mean, you might think, okay, we could shoot at steels. I could hit a target 20 feet away. But then you add the dance death and like this green beret is literally oh, I it was pushing awesome. you. And you talk about the competition. We had a quick draw competition oh. where the beep and the percussion will like time how far you can you draw and shoot and hit the target. Mm-hmm. So we have all the guys rushing around like that. But the thing, too, is it's amazing seeing the egos drop, right? It's amazing seeing just like no ego we're rooting for each other we're competing with each other we're joking around but we're serious about our business it's it's a really interesting kind of mesh that you see happen and and something you said that i i love saying on modern man i say it all the time i think you guys would like this in terms of the armor like letting down the armor i talk about when i was in high school i played football right and we had the the jerseys we could wear on fridays Hmm. i went to a catholic school so we all had uniforms but on fridays the football team was able to wear the jerseys. What I noticed was, and, and anyone who's played football, they know those scuff marks they get on the shoulder pads when you really hit somebody, you get in the game. The people who had the most scars on their jerseys were most were the most popular. They, they had the most attention, and everybody's like, oh, man, you were in there. So I relate that to a suit of armor, and what ends up happening somewhere in life, I feel like a lot of men, we start growing and we get older, we start, part, we start putting on this bravado like we have it all figured out. We have this clean suit of armor. But here's the problem about a clean suit of armor. It never went to battle. A clean suit of armor has never gone to battle. So when I'm out here in life and I'm looking at these other guys, I see the clean suits of armor, and that doesn't impress me. What impresses me is the guy who's walking around with this suit of armor full of vulnerability, scuffs, <laughs> and, and everything, and he's still standing. That's who I'm going to go to. Right. And say, bro, how'd you do it? Right. Your group of you know, brotherhood of fathers, fatherhood. That's who I'm going to go to. All the guys are like, yeah, we're fathers. We're, fi- we're figuring this out. Or this is what worked for us. I'm going to go to you guys like, hey, you know, how did you guys do it? 
I'm getting a little. I see you have the the gray grays going on in your beard. I get oh, yeah. salt and pepper going on too, and uh, and it's. I feel that that's also kind of a rite of passage because even my wife is like, "Man, you, you stress too much. You got these grays coming in." I'm like, "No, babe, that's just that's regalness coming in." <laughs> oh, I like it. I'm changing what I'm saying about that. Yeah. What do you say? I I, I just say yeah. I'm getting old. <laughs> I like regalness a lot better. Oh, yeah. That's the regalness that's coming in. It's yeah. the wisdom. <laughs> Yeah, that's so. those, are, those are the whiskers of wisdom. I have a lot of them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there's a direct correlation. Yeah, uh, yeah, I yeah. I love that the the scuffed up armor because you, it wasn't until we had some major breakthroughs, some major things happen in our event. But when that really happened is when guys like like took the covering off and showed how screwed up their armor was. So they got a big yeah, old gaping man. hole and it's barely hanging on over here. You know, I'm having this issue with my marriage. I'm having this issue with my kids. I don't feel adequate at work. My business is failing. I mean, all those things, as soon as one guy just like showed that it was wheels off. It was mm-hmm. insane. Every guy's like, Whoa, wait, 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 wait. You mean I get to be honest with this group? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is, the biggest thing I've learned about community is, you know, you could share kind of what's going on in your life and it doesn't necessarily solve the problem, but once you know you're not alone, it makes it bearable, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, something that was said on an earlier podcast uh, of talking about suffering, right? If man, if I if I'm suffering, if I'm by myself, I I'm looking for a way out. Like I'm let's I'm trying to get out of here. But like if I'm doing uh, a hit workout or if I'm doing if I'm suffering in a community if I'm suffering with some other guys or I'm with some other people you know the thought process and my instinct isn't how do I get out of here my thought process my instinct is like come on baby let's go and I'm saying that to the person next to me but I'm probably saying it for myself to try to motivate myself right and and what ends up happening is you get this energy and what happens is you have this bonding that happens because you're, you're going through something that's tough but I could sit there in that suffering next to my brother. I could sit there in that suffering for an an extended period of time. The moment you put somebody else next to me, I could probably double the amount of time I could sit within that threshold because now you added community. And when you add that community, you make us dangerous. I would almost say it's not just double, it probably three X is my ability to, to withstand the suffering. Once you put me in a community or you put me with a brother, forget about it. We're gonna be here longer than you expect us to. And either you're gonna let up or we're gonna overcome. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Something that I challenge men a lot on. In fact, I just sent, we have a group from all the guys that were at the event and there, you know, I get, I kind of did a shout out how you guys doing. Everybody kind of weighed in. And then I'm like, um, Hey, more importantly, who is keeping you accountable? And they, a few guys answered back and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, no. Like who's the person asking the really tough questions in your life right now? Who's the guy in your life that's not afraid to say, Hey, I know you suffer with this. Exactly where are you at on that? And mm. then call you out in love. And it was a little bit crickets. And that's what I that's one thing I really want to change is is that relationship that men have with each other. Is you don't have to be a jerk, but there's a there's a level of love and brotherhood that where you can say, Hey man, how are you doing? Are you yeah. have you looked at porn this week? Mm-hmm. You know, like the, whatever the challenge is and be able to get an honest answer and know that he's not asking to say, dude, you suck or ha, you know, whatever. But to, to really kind of connect at a higher level and really hold each other accountable to really step into the the leadership, the, the men that we were really called to be. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, I don't know where that came from, but I just thought I'd check. No, it's huge because I think so many of us live without accountability, man. Mm -hmm. You know, so many of us live without anyone checking our steps because uh, we grow up, we go through school, we graduate college, and we're like, okay, we got this thing figured out, we're good, and we don't answer to anybody, right? You know, you you mentioned kids are out of the house, and when I went to college, I was like, no more parents, I can do whatever I want, I'm free. (laughs) But the thing is, is most people... And I hope this doesn't rub anyone the wrong way, but most people don't really want to be free because when you're free, there's responsibility in that. When you're free, yes, you call the shots, which is great, but you're also going to be responsible for everything that happens in your life from here on out. And when I got to a point, I was 23, just out of out of college, ulcerative colitis, landed in the hospital with a flare-up, and I was blaming the world and everybody else for my problems. But when I finally took responsibility and I finally realized, like, okay, there's going to be things you have to do for the outcomes you want in life. What do you want? That's, that's, <laughs> that's a question I ask myself a lot. And it's a question that I haven't stopped asking myself because you got to check in with yourself. Course correct, right? What do you want? And then when you explore that, okay, what are you doing to get there? And if you're not doing the things to get you there, cut them out. And, you know, you have to look long and hard at that. For me, yeah, it was porn. Cut it out, right? For me, alcohol. I don't, I'm not, I still drink here and there, but there's also times, like, even just this week, I was like, you know, I should take another hiatus from alcohol. Like, it just, it doesn't serve me all the time, and I'm, I'm getting older, so I don't recover like I used to, you know, like, a, one good night is three bad days, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's something that's going to have the repercussions that, when I ask myself, what do I want, and is this serving me, the answers become clear, and then the really the discipline and the ability to cut it out, cut it out, get rid of it, and stay steadfast into some of the things that you say you're going to do, and you put it on your calendar, do it, and sure, tasks can be overwhelming. There's days I look at my to-do list, I'm like, crap. I, I mean, for context, my wife says all the time, I don't give myself enough credit. I get home at 11.30 in the morning. I hit the gym around 12. By 1 o'clock, I'm trying to eat something really quick because I haven't eaten since I woke up at 2 a.m. And then I'm trying to sit down and work on my podcast and work on this business. So when I see my to-do list, I I usually look at my to-do list after I've worked a full day of work and hit the gym. Bro, I'm tired. I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) You know, it's like there's days that to-do list looks daunting. But again, I don't care how you feel. Do what you got to do. And the, the crazy thing about it, and this is how you, I know I might, I'm on the right path, is no matter how I feel on a, a Tuesday when I got to record two podcasts back to back or something, I could be drained after the workout, drinking my pre-workout, and then I get in there and the moment the, the guest comes on and we're doing the pre-interview or whatnot, energized, man. Yep. Yep. And I come off those calls and I'm like, man, why was I dreading that in the first place? Like, let's go. I'm ready for two more. <laughs> no kidding. I, and, and that's something I have to remind myself of as well. It's the same thing. I mean, it's, it's such a great analogy for us who podcast. It's like, oh my gosh, I got a podcast. I got three podcasts today. And then you get with the right person. You start, you push that record button and it's just like, oh my gosh, that totally energized me. Yeah. You mentioned a few things I want to talk about. One was ulcerative colitis. Uh, I, when I was mar- first married, like 22, I started getting really, really sick. And Mm -hmm. doctors couldn't figure it out. I was losing tons of weight. My stomach was like killing me. 
my wife and I made a move across the United States. We drove across the United States with this issue. I like oh, couldn't, yeah, I don't want to get into details, but it was not pretty. It took like six months and I probably lost like 50 pounds. Um, I finally went to a doctor. He's like, Scott, I believe you either have AIDS or you're abusing laxatives. I'm like, no, like, no, like, no. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, and you know, I'm like, you're so wrong. I finally found somebody. He's like, oh, you have ulcerative colitis. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, man, that is a destructive, distru- like talk about stop your life. So I was the same age as you. Yeah. Um, but it's really interesting. You talk about personal responsibility because I wasn't in a place in my life. I wasn't old enough to really, I didn't, I wasn't at that place where, I was looking at food, stress, lifestyle, and, and equating with like, hey, this is a, a, an inflammation type of thing, then um, there's ways to deal with it. But it was when I began to understand and take personal responsibility for my nutrition mm-hmm. that that completely cleared up. Like I, I'm, I'm like totally symptom free for years and years and years because I, I took responsibility for that one thing. Like, what was that journey like for you? I mean, we yeah. hospitalization. I mean, it was it was bad. I looked like I was dying. I, I literally yeah. looked like a sack of bones. I mean, I can imagine, man. I mean, I similar to you, lost thirty pounds in thirty days. Um, and and you know, I'm sorry that you know your diagnosis was so long. I mean, I think I was lucky in the fact that my mom had Crohn's, so the doctor oh, immediately yeah. was like, "Okay, this is in your family. We should check for this." So it it took like two three months for me to figure out what was going on. Um, but man, leading up to that, it was, I was working at a law firm. I was trying to get my TV job and I, I, and I, I I say I put myself in the hospital because after, um, I got diagnosed, I was on meds. The doctor took me off the meds and I was doing well for a while, but I was go, I was miserable, man. I didn't like working at the job that I was working at. It wasn't terrible. I was working at a law firm. It just, I wasn't built for a cubicle in a nine to five and it was suffocating me every day. So I would leave work. I would pick up fast food, come home. My I lived at home with my parents. They, they'd cook a full nutritious meal. I don't want it. I'd go in the room, eat by myself, like borderline acting like I was depressed. And then, so I'm doing that, eating fast food three times a week, not eating nutritious meals on the weekends, spending money I didn't have, going to the bars with my buddies, buying out tables and drinking bottles and stuff and just kind of blaming the world for my problems well stomach starts acting up again and i land in the hospital and they're doing the blood work i lost blood i'm losing weight and the doctor looked at me and um well first the surgeon was like if your intestine doesn't bounce back we're gonna have to take it out like i was like two days away from them taking me to mount sinai in new york and just taking out my large intestine i'm three years old uh, 33 years old i'm 23 years old thinking i'm gonna have to poop out of a stoma bag out of my abdomen for the rest of my life uh, the doctor says, you know, he, they ask the questions, you know, uh, you know, what's your eating habits like? What are your eating habits like? What are your stress levels like? You know, how are you taking care of yourself? And and I failed miserably on all those questions. I was not taking care of myself. My eating habits were terrible. My stress was through the roof that I was not talking about att- paying attention to. I was pacifying it with alcohol. But when he when, the, when I said all that, the doctor's just like. Oh, so you should be here. Like, Imagine hearing that, and then you're you're on a morphine drip, and you can't sleep. It's three o'clock in the morning. You're stuck with your thoughts. Like you, you start thinking about some things, and, yeah. and you really have to reflect. And that was when I realized, um, I put myself here, which 
at first is a very defeating feeling. Like I did this to myself. I'm at rock bottom. I'm praying. I'm 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 asking God to help me get out of here. But I did this to myself. And I remember it was November into December and it was one night and, and the hospital is like a is it's like a <laughs> I, I say it's an innocent man's prison. You have you and your rate your roommate. You have everybody asking you what you're in for, how long you've been in, <laughs> and, you oh, guys, so and you both share a bathroom. So it's it's an innocent man's prison. But where I was, I remember, and morphine's a nasty, nasty drug. Like, sure, it might have eased the pain, but I was thankful that I got to the point, encouraged by my mom, and said, stop giving me that. I know it hurts, but stop giving me that. Because I'd be at night, I'd, I'd be awake at night, and I'd hear my organs and stuff. I'd hear my blood. I'd hear like my heart beating. I had the earplugs, but there was a gentleman across the hall who was like moaning in the middle of the night in pain or whatnot. So it was just a scary, miserable place to be. But then I remember thinking to myself, okay, if you got yourself here, how do you get out? All right? Like, how, how do you get out? Okay, stress. Okay, attitude. You know, I, I'm a positive guy, I'm a happy go lucky guy. And I, man, I remember I texted my girlfriend at the time. I said, I need you to do me a favor. When you come to visit me tomorrow, I need you to first go to that Christmas tree, grab a couple ornaments and bring it in. The nurses, they would write every day, hey, today's goal, keep down liquids. Because everything I would eat, I would throw up. Yep. Right? So I'll spare you the, the nasty details of what was happening on the other end. But everything I would eat, I would throw up. And then I'd finally keep the liquids down. All right, let's keep soft foods down. But they're also like, you need to get your energy up. You've been in this bed for about a week, two weeks. You need to start walking a, a little bit. So when my, my girlfriend at the time came, I took the ornaments, I hung up on my IV pole, and I started walking the hallways. And everybody's like, what are you doing? I'm like, this is my Christmas tree. Man, I changed my outlook. I changed my perspective. Had a cast scan a couple of days later. The steroids were working, fighting my large intestines inflammation. The doctor says, okay, we got this prednisone working on you. We're, gonna, you're not, we're not gonna take the large intestine out. And they, I got discharged from the hospital a week later. And I remember going home down the same road that I went and put down before, but the sky was bluer, the clouds were whiter, the grass was greener, and my mindset was different. And two months after leaving that hospital, after losing all that weight, being skin and bones, I was on top of a mountain snowboarding. About eight months after that, I got a raise at work. I actually went deeper into work because I finally accepted where I was. That raise allowed me to move out of my parents' house. Moving out of my parents' house allowed me to focus more on applying to jobs. And a year after I got out of the hospital, I was moving to Saginaw, Michigan with my first TV job, which would in turn lead me to everything else. But man, that journey, rock bottom, could teach you so much. That's so good. That's so good. <laughs> Just even the, you know, that, that realization of, you know, for the doctor, you got yourself here. Like, <laughs> I think a lot of guys need at all ages need to stop and say, Hey, you got yourself here. Like, you know, what is it going to take? How do I get out of this? Mm -hmm. Instead of just continuing to like, just roll around in it. Right. It's like, yeah. yeah, that's, that's such a cool story. I mean, um, and the, and then the, just the fact that everything, you know, you, you were six overnight success is what I always say. It's like, it's a four year journey to overnight success. You know, now you're on TV. It was your goal. Mm -hmm. And it's just that changed outlook. That's incredible. Um, I want to ask a question before we run out of time and maybe you alluded to it earlier, but I, I don't know. It's like, why do you do this? What, what, what is it for you that, that got you into a place where I'm going to take action. 
I'm going to start a networking and empowerment group for men. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's, and you know, what is this masculinity thing? Like that doesn't, you don't just roll over and decide, Hey, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to, I'm going to start talking to men about masculinity and empowerment and networking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I, I give a lot of credit to my dad. I really do. Um, as I kind of le- like jumped into this, I found little like when I first moved out uh, and moved out of my own, my dad gave me a poem, Rudyard Kipling if poem. Um, one of the last words in that in that poem is "Yours is the earth and everything in it, and what is more, you'll be a man, my son." Uh, that poem gets quoted all the time. Um, my dad is you know this is this is a guy who I spent my whole life telling him to go on Jeopardy because he would we'd watch Jeopardy he'd know all the answers uh, very well read and he would give me again I think he was grooming me and I didn't know it like I, I'm actually reading a book uh who is man that my dad gave me years ago it's a book that was written in like 1969 by a philosopher and I'm like reading this that my dad gave me I'm seeing where he underlined um but what really kind of got it going for me was when I moved away and I had to cultivate my own community. And I, and I realized that uh, I was the youngest out of all my friends. All my friends were older and ahead of me. And I was lucky and blessed to have a father figure in my life growing up. So when I moved away from home, it was natural for me to seek that again. It was natural for me to seek a group of men. It was also natural for me to seek uh, older men, male mentors. And in doing that, um, I continued to excel in life. And, and then I read the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy uh, by Dr. Uh, Ronald Glover. And that kind of helped open my eyes to why I was so dissatisfied in life. I was a people pleaser. I was pandering to everybody else and not sticking to my priorities. So I started reading that book. Coincidentally, the same time my now wife uh, started uh, texting me. We went to the same college, but never at the same time. She moved to a city nearby. A friend said, you should reach out. And I just said, hey, um, yeah, I'm happy to show you around. The crazy thing, Scott, I was not pursuing her at all <laughs> because the book told me to stick to, your, stick to your priorities. So in me sticking to my priorities, guess what? My now wife at the time found me attractive for some reason. You were sexy as hell at that point, man. She came to, she, <laughs> we, were, yeah, we were going to a barbecue one day. She came a little early. I said, I'm not done folding my laundry. You're going to have to wait. And I'm folding my laundry in a wife beater. And she says, that's the first time she found me attractive. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Because I told you to wait while I fold my drawers. Yeah. Cool. But so I'm like, okay, so there's something to this. And then I read the book Mask and Masculinity by Lewis Howes, which all opened up my eyes to the, uh, the staggering suicide rate amongst men. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and I think there's, there's, there's two types of people in the world. I don't want to say just two types of people in the world, but there's, there's a lot of times I think we identify things in life that we feel like we, we feel like we could fill that gap. We feel like we have the tools to fit that hole. And I saw that as a whole, like, okay, you know, men are, I have it on the website, I said men are silently crying for help. Like, I think 70% suicides, 2018, men. Men create, men commit suicide three and a half times more than women. And statistically, men are more isolated and are disproportionately impacted by mental health. So I identified the problem and I felt uniquely qualified to, to help. And when I say uniquely qualified, I'm not better than anybody else. I'm not... You know, I'm, I'm nobody special. I'm out here just trying to figure it out. But 
what I can do is I, I could speak, I can host, I could moderate conversations. So I invited the men that I looked up to to sit down and just have a conversation because the only goal was I want to connect men, build community, because if isolation is the problem, if our isolation causes us to be disproportionately impacted by mental health, which is causing the suicide rate to be so disproportionate to men, if only I could help make these conversations normal, the conversation you and I are having, if I could just help make this normal and mainstream, maybe men won't be such recluses, or maybe men will find spaces to be. And that was what really started this whole journey, and I've kind of been running on it ever since. And uh, you know, I'm not tired yet, so let's keep going. Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing how parallel our stories are. I mean, I moved... I had a great father. I came to this area. I didn't have the grouping with that. I'd always had people around me. I mean, I just was, you know, ingrained in the community. I come here and it's like, okay, I have the skills to gather men. I'm just going to do it. And that's how the brotherhood was born. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to gather men. It wasn't locally. It was, it was, I'm going to, I'm going to create this online thing. I had no idea what or why I knew why I knew what I needed. And I knew that other men needed that. Like I, you know, so it's just incredible. I mean, basically, I feel like you have a calling, and that calling is is this, and I I uh, res- mm-hmm. respect that tremendously because this is not easy. Doing a podcast mm-hmm. and running, you know, events or whatever we want to call them, it's not easy, and it's not glamorous, and there's not mm-hmm. money in it. I mean, you know, I I charged a high ticket to come to my event, and mm-hmm. I still paid out of pocket for that thing, and yeah. you know, it's it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's a different, I think a lot of people don't get it, but I think you probably do. <laughs> and listen, I'm, I, I'll, I'll keep it a hundred with the audience. You know, this is something that takes hours to do. And when I was doing these conferences, we would be gone for a full Saturday. You're a married man with kids. I'm a married man. Guess what? When I'm out of the house that long, my wife would like a return on that investment. I'm not I, like, and it, it is crazy because it's like, you know, I'm doing a full-time job outside of this and then I'm pouring into the conferences I'm pouring into the podcast and I'm investing in a team and you know when you have those things you also have to justify it to your partner right because you're you're taking things away from them sometimes it's taking money away from what could go into the family sometimes it's taking time away I'm sitting here on this podcast instead of being in the other room with my wife right now right you know she's sacrificing that time just as much as I'm giving this time so when when we're doing this, just so the audience knows, like, you know, Scott, for you to put this on, I know that it comes with not just a financial cost, but there's an emotional cost with it, right? There's, there's a burden on it, but that's, that's what our heart's telling us to do. And we're, I'm thankful enough to have a partner that, that roots me on. I'm thankful enough to have a partner, you know, when their conferences are coming, she's posting all her, on her socials, like all my, all my friends tell your man to go to this and stuff. So like you have that support system, which is great. Um, but at the same time, there, there is effort, there is work, and there is sacrifice that comes into doing this, and um, it's not for money. It's, it's just because there's something, like you said, I, I can't explain it. There's something more that pulls me towards that, that pulls on my heartstrings, and when I wake up in the morning, this is where my head goes, this is what I think about, and I can't imagine doing anything else, and I'm looking forward to doing it more. That's awesome. I mean, we do have to admit, like, I've met incredible men doing yeah. this, because I have a, oh, yeah. an amazing excuse to say, hey... You're doing some cool stuff. Come on my podcast. It's like the best uh, friend dating ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like literally you look at the guys that I'm texting day in and day out. 
they've been on the podcast. I met through podcasting. This is my, mm-hmm. this is my, my foundational group. There's others, but this is like, it's, it's a, an incredible, incredible resource. I'm not telling guys to go do that because it might not be for <laughs> you, but Hey, we're blessed. I really, really yeah. feel we're blessed. And, um, I, I, I honestly feel, uh, very, 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 like we have such a great alignment on, on what we're doing. And I'm sure there's mm-hmm. so much more. Um, I've listened to your podcast. It's, it's very good. Um, the I guests, it, the guests are great. The content is great. You're real, which I, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so before we run out of time, I, I want to give you a chance to just like promote, promote yourself, do it, man. I'm asking <laughs> you to, and I'm asking the men who listen to this, you just chunk in that extra time, like make your playlist. Like, don't take me out of it. You're going to meet more guys mm-hmm. like Ted, but <laughs> add these guys in here who have this real strong purpose. And I think you're going to find that your life just, it just explodes because you're putting the mm-hmm. right things in your ears. So Ted, give us those details. Yeah, Scott, I, I definitely appreciate the the opportunity. And, and, you know, before that, I'm going to ask the audience to make sure that they leave a rating on this podcast. Scott's doing such an amazing job. Subscribe to to get the the, the new episodes and, and obviously come back to this one so you can get the links to my episode, too. That's right. Is, <laughs> um, TheModernManPodcast.com. Uh, that's going to get you right there to where the show is. Uh, we have the YouTube channel through there as well. And um, our our social is at the Modern Man Podcast on Instagram, and we're just we're just talking about life. We talk about finances. We talk about fitness. We talk about mental health. We talk about uh, a lot of things that men go through each and every single day. We talk we talk about emotions. We talk about divorce. But really, we talk about increasing our capacity in life because. Just like I felt busy as a college student, just like I feel busy now, I know I'm going to feel busy as a father. Those are the, those three are the same person, but the difference is our capacity to handle those problems. Right. So I do believe if we can increase our capacity, we share tactics, strategies on rising ourselves up, we are better equipped to show up as the best husbands, fathers, sons, and members of our, our community and our church. And uh, that's what we hope to do with the podcast. So I would love to have you guys as listeners after you leave that five star rating for Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I beg, I beg and plead every week. I'm like, hey, please get on there. Yeah. It, it, it is like one of the most underdone but best things you can do for a podcaster because it allows more eyes to get on it. SEO for podcasts, if you haven't noticed, uh, is really bad. You yeah. can type in brotherhood of fatherhood and you're going to be in like 14 different <laughs> podcasts before. <laughs> yeah, it's just the most insane thing. So I really appreciate that. Ted, I, um, I, I'm going to commit right now. If you're willing, I don't think this is the last time you're going to be on. And so uh, yeah. I, I think this conversation, um, I know there was something in there for men. I think that together we can really unravel a lot. So I really appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for coming. Hey, my pleasure, Scott. Thank you. And to the audience, thank you so much for the time. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.